Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network. I'm your host, Coach Tony Richards, and I hope you had a fabulous weekend. And, of course, we celebrated Mother's Day this past weekend, and I hope you took my advice and you did something very, very nice for mom. And most of all, I hope you still have your mom with you and that you were able to honor her this past Sunday, the day that we designated as the day every year that we honor moms. And now you've got about a month now to figure out what you're going to do for dad, because we've got Father's Day coming up in June and you've got plenty of runway here to figure out what to do there. But I hope you have your mom. I still have mine. Mom will be 80 this next coming year, and she does not behave. I don't know what you're supposed to behave like when you're 80. She doesn't seem 80 to me. She gets around pretty good. She's in pretty good health. She's super excited. I placed my phone call to her for Mother's Day just because I'm not able to be there on that particular day. And she was excited because she had most of her garden broken up and you got the soil all tilled up and is ready to put some seeds in the ground. So I knew when spring came that she'd have a more sunny, shall we say, outlook on things because she's she likes to get outside. She likes to work in her garden. She likes to work in her flower beds. She likes to get her flowers all planted and tilled and looking nice around the house. And she's very proud of her lawn. She likes to have her lawn looking good. My brother goes over and mows the lawn, and sometimes my nephew does, but we make sure mom's taken care of, and she wants the home place to look good there. So I hope you celebrated mom this Mother's Day and you were able to do something nice for her. And if you don't have your mom any longer, if you're married to your wife and you have kids, I hope you were able to celebrate her today. And some of our listeners have kids who have kids. And so they have their grand moms and whatever your designation or status is, I hope you were able to celebrate and you were helping the moms among us feel honored and cherished this Mother's Day. Something I haven't talked about, and I totally should have recapped on last week's show, but the 149th Kentucky Derby was run, as always, the first Saturday in May, and the winner was Mage. It was a 15-to-1 horse, and Mage came in first, 
And so we've got the Preakness coming up here very soon in Baltimore. There were 150,000 people at Churchill Downs, definitely a huge event, probably the biggest event in Kentucky. You know, you'd think basketball would be, but Rupp Arena hosts 24,000. Churchill Downs, you get 150 or more people in there. So over 150,000. The television ratings was easily won by the Kentucky Derby, 13 million viewers. A $2 bet on Mage to win paid out $32.42. A $2 exacta bet on Mage and two fills to finish first and second would have paid $330.44. And a $1 trifecta bet on Mage, two fills, and Angel of Empire paid $928.36. And a superfecta. If you could have predicted the correct order of finish of the first four horses, that would have paid you $15,643.60 for a $1 bet. And so the full finishing order for the Kentucky Derby, Mage at number one, Two Fills at number two, Angel of Empire number three, Disarm at number four, Hit Show at number five, Derma Sodagate at six, Tappet Trice, who many people were predicting would have won the race, came in seventh. Raise Kane at eight. Rocket Can at nine. Confidence Game at 10. Number 11, Sun Thunder. Number 12, Mandarin Hero. Number 13 was the pick that I picked to win the race at 14 to 1 odds, Reincarnate. And Reincarnate ran second and third through most of the race, but down the stretch, man reincarnate fell behind and i just had a lot of confidence in that horse because bob had the horse before and then he gave it over to someone else to train and just because bob had originally selected that horse i thought it had a pretty good chance to win and i I also freely admit that i didn't get a chance to do as much research into the horses as i usually do before the derby but next year I've already written it down in my journal. I've got to take the time to do some research because it's the 150th year. Just another big milestone and the biggest event in Kentucky. Number 14 was Kings Barnes. Number 15, King Russell. Number 16, Verifying. Number 17, Jace's Road. And coming in at number 18, Cyclone Mischief. Just a fantastic year. Also, the big anniversary year of Secretariat winning the Kentucky Derby, Secretariat, a triple crown winner, the fastest horse ever to run the Kentucky Derby. There's only ever been one other horse to run the race in under two minutes, but they did not break Secretariat's record. So Secretariat, when I was growing up, so I was 10 years old. Here I'm going to date myself. I was 10 years old when Secretariat won the Derby. And the biggest sports heroes in Kentucky when I was 10 were Secretariat, Muhammad Ali, and Dan Issel. Quite a triple crown trifectorate of athletes there. Secretariat being the greatest athlete of all. Also, speaking of sports, the conference finals are this week for East and West in the NBA. In the Western Conference Finals, the L.A. Lakers, who put down the Golden State Warriors, the first team to do that in quite a while, uh, are going to play the Denver Nuggets. That's going to be quite a series. 
Anthony Davis and LeBron James led Lakers will be taking on Jamal Murray and the Nuggets. And over in the Eastern Conference Finals, we're going to get again uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. What is this? The fourth year in a row, the Heat, Miami Heat, and Boston Celtics have played. And I tell you, I watched the game on Sunday of the Celtics and the 76ers because I wanted to see if my guy Tyrese Maxey was going to show out and show up. But the Celtics put him down with an outstanding performance by Jason Tatum. I mean, he just played out of his mind. And it was nice, too, because it was Mother's Day and his mom was sitting there front row to see the game. So we'll get another series of the Heat and Celtics and see who prevails there as we head toward the NBA Finals and the NBA Draft all culminating here in the first part of June. Another fantastic year. The NBA has just done a tremendous job of accelerating their growth. They are the highest grossing sport in America as far as television ratings, followed very closely by the NFL. But the NBA just has, I mean, people wondered if when David Stern retired and and gave over the leadership, if they'd be able to continue. And not only have they been able to continue to be media trendsetters, but they have accelerated and even surpassed so many expectations in that regard. And then the last thing I'll mention before I get into today's leadership lesson is that a lot of you who follow me on Twitter and you follow this podcast, you know that I love pro wrestling history. I watch today's product if there's something hot going on. Like I I was really into the bloodline storyline on the WWE because I just thought that was a great story that they're able to put together. And then Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes leading into WrestleMania, I thought was a great story. I've been following the current product a little bit more because the media rights are coming up in negotiation. And I'm just curious on how they turn out. But AEW is going to be announcing their new deal, I think, here this week or next with Warner Brothers Discovery. And they're going to get paid a whole lot of money to be putting on a pro wrestling product on television. The WWE, of course, which is in the process of being sold to the holding company of Endeavor, which is a talent representation firm out of Los Angeles that is headed up by Ari Emanuel. They already own the UFC. They're going to also own the WWE, and that deal is supposed to be consummated before the year is up. So it'll be interesting to see, A, how that deal comes together. The WWE currently valued at $12 billion for that deal. That's what Endeavor is going to be getting in stock options for the deal. Not to go into depth about that, but, I mean, there's no cash trading hands. It's all going to be an all-stock transaction but how that comes together and then also how their media rights deal comes together. But but I think they'll get a whole lot of money also for no other reason than being represented by Endeavor, who gets great media deals and great package deals for everybody they represent. That's why they have so many clients. Almost everybody you watch on national television is represented in talent by Endeavor. So, But the thing I wanted to mention is the St. Louis, which is right next door to me here. You know, I live in Columbia. St. Louis is an hour and a half to the east. Kansas City is an hour and a half to the west. 
Well, I hate that I missed this, but I didn't even find out that this was even going on until a week or 10 days ago. And by the time I found out, it was too late for me to change plans and go. But the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame held their ceremony this past weekend. And Jerry Briscoe and J.J. Dillon were inducted into the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame two guys that I, you know, because I love the historical aspect of wrestling. I like the wrestling I grew up with. We all tend to enjoy whatever art that we liked when we were growing up. That becomes our favorite from then on, whether it's music, whether it's movies. And for me, the pro wrestling of the 70s and early 80s, mid 80s was the wrestling that I grew up with. And that will always be my favorite. And Jerry Briscoe, definitely part of that. His brother Jack was a National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Champion. And J.J. Dillon, who was a performer in the 70s and a, a manager of the Four Horsemen in the 80s, both got inducted this past weekend at the Windsor Hotel. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not the Windsor, the Aviator. The Aviator Hotel and Suites, May 13th this past weekend. So congratulations to Jerry and JJ both for being in the class of 2023 for the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame. And if you don't know this, I just want to throw this in before we get into today's lesson. St. Louis was the center of the National Wrestling Alliance, which was the oldest and most worldwide wrestling organization in the world when I was growing up, the NWA. And that was headquartered in St. Louis. Sam Muchnick was its president, and he was kind of the founder. He was the guy that pulled a lot of the promoters together. And basically, it was a cooperative of promoters all across the world. And man, it was the gold standard when I was growing up. And Jerry's brother, Jack, was one of the few guys who were able to hold that world heavyweight title in St. Louis. Wrestling at the Chase, the Chase Hotel was a world-famous location for pro wrestling, and they had a broadcast on KPLR television for decades, right up until the mid-80s, and St. Louis has a rich wrestling history. Maybe we'll get into that sometime, because Sam Mushnick was a real leader. I mean, a lot of what we talk about here is executive leadership on Better Than Before, And Sam Mushnick was one of the greatest executive leaders of all time, if you know the whole story about what he was able to accomplish in pulling these guys together to form this organization. All right, what do we want to talk about today? We want to talk about the five price tags of elite leadership performance. And during my many years of coaching top-level executives, many of you know I typically work with executives and people at the top of organizations. And I also work with emerging elite level performers in organizations who will probably, more than likely, if they play their cards right, have been identified as future executives, as well as many, you know, talented performers over the last well, I had I had 20 years as a top level exec myself, and then I've had 20 years as a coach. And I've seen many patterns and similarities among all of these people that I've coached. This certainly will not be a comprehensive list today that we talk about. It's short of a short list of things that I've seen quite often and much repeated over a lengthy period of time. The difference in the best of the best 
and the average leaders and performers is this. The consistent high performers commit themselves to do what is right and what is required rather than take the easy road of avoidance, often called the path of least resistance. High performers and elite level performers for sure typically take the road that has the most resistance. And once they've gone through that and experienced that a couple of times, then they get accustomed to operating on that level. Other people take the road of resistance, get knocked down, and they don't get back up. And then they start along the path of least resistance, which is the first bad habit they adopt. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Authentic success, though, takes a heavy dose of discipline and focused hard work. And to get to the elite high performance level, it is at the very least a requirement to pay various prices. I've said it many times, every place you ascend to has a price associated with it. And if you want to get to that place, you have to be willing to pay the price that's associated with it. And I have just a few ideas on five price tags that I've continually seen over and over that my clients have paid to become elite level leadership performers. The first one is raise your standards, raise your standards. You have to have a devotion to yourself that you want to reach an elite level in everything you do. And by setting that standard for yourself, people will experience your example and begin to understand that is also what you expect from them as well. The leadership proverb that I repeat probably more than any other is, when your people find out what's important to you, it becomes important to them. Raising your standards price tag means you expect nothing less than the best from yourself. Our expectations and thoughts create our words and actions, and our actions create our habits, and our habits create our results. So since it all starts in our expectations and thoughts, we have to begin there to create our own reality, and our reality is that we are the best every time out. Another one is be relentlessly positive. Your positivity will save you from yourself in a lot of various potential negative circumstances. You overcome negativity with positivity. This too sets the tone for other people. Your emotions are contagious and you want people to catch positivity from you, not negativity. It's not always easy to remain positive when things get tough, but if you want to raise the elite level status that is what is required of you to pay that price. Being relentless about it just describes how tough some days may be, but if you pursue positivity with a passion, and your passion then becomes contagious. Number three, have an unwavering commitment to growth. When anything in this world stops growing, it has begun the process of dying. How much time do you spend reading and learning? Unfortunately, too many people spend too much time watching meaningless things on television than they do growing their IQ. Spending time getting up to speed about where your industry is headed, learning how you can enhance your leadership, or simply growing your vocabulary can pay huge rewards. So many people spend so few hours doing it is there any wonder why there are so few at the elite level? Remember this, ideas are the commodity of success. 
Number four is learn to celebrate. And I just noticed this one not too long ago, but it's been in front of me for quite a while. We brush over our successes much, much, much too quickly. I have a suspicion that many leaders are afraid if they celebrate a win, they might lose some of their momentum or they might lose some of their edge. And that only happens if we allow it. There's something missing in our lives without celebration that other rewards will not fulfill. Some might say they're just happy with the accomplishment or the financial reward, but research shows that is not the case long term. The other part of it is, since we're not comfortable celebrating our own achievements, we don't celebrate with our teams either when they reach their milestones. After a while, this is an ugly feeling in the climate of teams that lies just below the surface of team members' feelings. In short, the best celebrate, and even if we celebrated the smallest of victories, we would later realize the small things might have actually been the most important things. And number five, and maybe most important, is confrontation of your own worst fears. Fear is insidious. Fear plays havoc with our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions. They consider torturing and playing with us their most fun time. Fears keep us from being happy. Fears stop us from being all we can be. Fears restrict us from doing things others do, which look like they could be fun if we tried it. Fears keep us from meeting people who could change our lives for the better. Fears keep us from making changes that could make our lives better. Fears keep us from speaking out on things we think are deeply important. Fears double up where conflict is concerned because we're afraid of the conflict and also the situation where possible conflict could maybe be. Double whammy. The point is that elite, high-performing leaders confront those things head-on. I'm not saying they don't need encouragement. In many cases, they do, and I've been pleased to be the one to help out with that. The point is that courage is required to face the fear and overcome it. Sometimes, well, many times before it's conquered, and sometimes it's a lifelong proposition. But you have to confront it to become elite. That's our program today. Better Than Before is available here on the C-Suite Radio Network. Thanks a lot for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 where I post three, four times a day. You can also join our free Facebook group, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. Just smash the like button. And if you'd like to get my Monday morning memo in your email inbox every Monday morning with three concepts, a short article, and a quote, or a journal question, all you have to do is go to my website, clearvisiondevelopment.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, put in your email address, you're all signed up, and Monday morning, bam, the Monday morning memo will be in your email. Thanks a lot for all our current subscribers and all the ones that will come sign up this week. Thanks in advance. And also, special thank you, as always, to our producer, Tessa Hall, who always makes our show sound so good. Until we visit again next week here on the C-Suite Radio Network, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. 
for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.